Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. You're not here to be happy. That's why it seems so elusive. So the sooner you give up on its pursuit, paradoxically, the happier you'll be, or maybe better said, the more fulfilled you'll be. This is the realization we explore today. We begin by exploring free will with an incisive explanation as to why so many neuroscientists argue these days that it doesn't exist. And if you haven't watched us on YouTube yet, this is a great opportunity to see the piece of lettuce stuck in my teeth the entire time. I don't know why Stace didn't tell me, but uh, oh well. Um, I'm not joking. And on the subject of uh, foibles, I am aware that my audio video sync drifts toward the end of the episode. I had to use a backup mic uh, while some equipment was in the shop. So you're not losing your grip on reality if you don't see my lips matching the words toward the end. Or if you are losing that grip, it's also out of sync. That's, of course, possible too. So can't rule that out. Thanks so much for listening. Greetings and welcome forward, everybody. This is episode 78, or almost to 100, when we get to drink and do an episode heavily. Absolutely. I'll have a nice, expensive bottle of white. Expensive for me is $30 bottle, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. So, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to spend more than that. Just, yeah. For me, yeah, it's, it's not about the money, it's the value. It's just the diminishing returns, which is a really great segue into our topic today. <laughs> That's Amazing right, about, ha- about happiness. That's right. The diminishing oh, returns of the pursuit of happiness. That's really a great way to describe it. Um, so that's our realization today that... Um, that the, I forget how I phrased it, but the pursuit of happiness will, will not actually fulfill you, something like that. Uh, even though in the United States, it's, const- it's your constitutional right, like you actually have a legal right <laughs> to pursue happiness. It's really funny. But you have the right not to a vote. Man- right. A right, not a mandate, but a right. Yeah, yeah you don't have to, but you have a legal right. right. Yeah, you don't, you don't have the right to any <laughs> land. You have to buy that. You don't have the right to a job, um, but you do yes. have the right to pursue happiness like they, like, yes. what would it look like if they told you you weren't didn't have that right? That would be kind of weird. Like, no, you must be miserable. Sorry. <laughs> well, in some sense, the, the the emphasis falls on the word "you" there because in yeah. fascism, you don't have the right to pursue happiness. The state does, and you get to tag along to whatever definition of fulfillment or happiness the state mandates. Uh, okay. I never really thought about it that way. That's why in China, it's always like the glory of the nation and exactly. you're going to come along right. with it is the implication. It was like how trick, uh, voodoo economics trickle down economics with us. <laughs> it, it, it's the classic collectivistic vibe. See that, yeah. that uh, not, no part is greater than the whole. And that's mm. a metaphysical truth in one way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other way to look at it is from the other side is there would be no whole without all the parts uh, that comprise it. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, our paradigms on this planet tend to go to extremes one or the other and never found the and between the mm-hmm. collective and the individual. Uh, oh, on that note, that interesting thing, uh, when we talk about cultures and nations and whatnot, I, I read my Vedic astrologer's newsletter today who um, mentioned that uh, there are a number of countries, including the US and I believe the EU 
and and um, the UK are all in a Rahu major phase. And Rahu is generally a troubling, challenging time for people. But you can also do charts of nations based on when they were uh, incepted. Uh, mm -hmm. And the the easiest way to sum up Rahu is. Um, the mythology, the Vedic mythology, was someone who was trying to like sneakily steal the nectar of the gods and then got all sorts of trouble yeah. for it. So the theme uh -huh. of it is like going for what you want, no matter what the cost and whether or not it's good for you. And whether think, or not it's good for you. Oh, that God. Somehow yes. beautifully sums up what is steering the Western civilization into its own demise. It's just the entitlement and existential kind of entitlement of it. Oh, God, you know, and, and there's several dimensions to that now that you frame it that way, Joseph, because the new Speaker of the House, uh, Maga Mike, uh, uh, he actually, I've been mystified for years until it was finally made totally patent by this guy. Um, I was always curious how they could, how MAGA people could say that, um, that, uh, 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 justify a theocracy-based um, paradigm with the fact that the Constitution was specifically designed to separate church and state. It's, well, yeah, totally fascinating. Well, listen, but, but Maga Mike gave me the answer, believe oh, what it or did not. He say? Put your seatbelt on, uh, prepare for um, paradigmatic uh, Yahooism. <laughs> here's almost a verbatim quote, but I have to paraphrase. The separation of state and religion was not meant for the benefit of the state. It was made for the benefit of, of the religion, of the faith. In other words, <laughs> this is why it's all backwards. It's all backwards based on the fact that Maga Mike believes that the founders of the Constitution were Christian. And you uh -huh. cannot convince him they were convince him they were deists. Yeah. So he's he's taken the formulation where freedom uh, of religion is is mandate, but it's more than that. It's no, it, but there's no freedom from religion, which is what his stance shows. That oh no, the framers were Christian. They wanted to protect the Christianity from uh, the state controlling it. Uh, so it, yeah, because that's what happened in Europe with Catholicism, right? That the, like the, the, the state was messing up Catholicism for five hundred years or a thousand years, yeah. As opposed <laughs> to seeing that it's the religion that warps everything. The paradigm of religion says, "I'm I'm only right. My faith, my religion is the only right one," and he's now third in line for the presidency. Yeah, and I saw a photo of him leading a, a kneeling prayer uh, right at the podium in the house. Oh, it's God. like, how is that like, how is that legal? But then again, it still says in God we trust in our money. So why not? You know, <sighs> uh, well, as somebody, uh, con I think it wasn't Obama, but a constitutional scholar uh, said the framers of the Constitution could never have imagined that this kind of base consciousness would ever, ever get near the leadership of the United States. You see, yeah. so uh, this is astounding. It comes out now that he was part of a, a anti-gay conversion thing way back when. Oh God! Uh, so. oh. Well, the the problem is, is that the like the revolutionaries who founded the United States were, from what it seems like, not power-hungry people. 
No. Someone who's a revolutionary and someone who's power hungry, like that's a Venn diagram. It's not necessarily the yeah. same. And then the yes. power hungry people just went in there and were like, Ooh, look at all these goodies. Yeah. Let me right. figure out how to rig, win and then rig this game so we stay in power. And there was no insulation yes. from that uh, by design. Yeah. Um, except from you know divine right of kings, we don't have that. So uh, no, that ended. No. <laughs> yes, but for that the that it was separated state and and religion and faith or state and and religion was separated for the sake of religion, not for the sake of the state. Yeah, that's and just now, sophistry. There's no way he actually believes that. That's just sophistry. He, he, it's in his bones. You can feel it. This is why I never could understand why theocracy that that the. Um, caliphate wants in islam that's horrible oh, i get it now but, i but, no, but i didn't Christian, get it before now i get it. it it requires an absolutist a priori position well of course christianity yes. is the best it must be protected yes. so if if your initial frame is is christianity is right and true absolutely then everything right. will look like a threat to it, just like right. um, militant Islam. It's like, oh no, like when people say yeah. they have to protect their prophet, dude, your prophet's dead. He doesn't need <laughs> protecting. He died. He died fourteen hundred years ago. What are you protecting him from? Uh, an absolutism like this, like you say, Joseph, exactly, is the best metaphor for the other metaphor. When you're a hammer, all you see is a nail. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so that's absolutism and that he said it so clearly and proudly this is in his consciousness bones as truth almighty right yeah. and i dare i saw when i saw the tape i saw him in his brain going oh jesus will really reward me in heaven for mm -hmm. this uh, mm -hmm. oh god but you know man. i want to insert here a, a little um sort of um vicissitudinous i don't know if that's a word but it is now example um <laughs> i was on the next door app uh yesterday uh, looking i have uh, muscovy ducks uh and i was wanting to see maybe, maybe if i get two or three more and there's constantly because this is Hawaii, there's feral ducks all over the place. And someone had posted um, that they had uh, six or seven of them and they were looking to find them at home because they just started parking on the person's yard and they've already got 14 stray cats and all that. <laughs> this is someone who obviously has been taking care of a lot of animals. And so she puts out there, if anybody would like them, let me know. This was like a week ago. And someone wrote as a comment, um, this is more or less verbatim, I'm paraphrasing though. Um, do what you're called to do here no excuses you can rise to this and take care of them and it was like coming from this very new agey paradigm right but it was like this new agey like the ducks arrived on your lawn so you're destined to take care of them and actually said literally no excuses you got this actually said that and here's this poor woman who has 13 stray cats and like 10 chickens and like she's obviously attracting a lot but she's you know obviously at yeah. her limit too she's she's being judicious uh with herself yeah yeah, yeah. but oh. but it just it triggered me a little bit because it's like ah there's the absolutism even in the new agey sort of neo-hindu buddhist you know clusterfuck that is new age spirituality there's this mm -hmm. like here's this guy on the next door app imposing his value system yeah. as if it's absolute truth on this person like the person yeah. says she's overloaded doesn't want to take care of any more stray animals like and you're basically asserting that it is your spiritual and destiny duty to take care of these ducks and you don't even know the woman it's so rude but this is where absolutism hides in these little ways you know 
it just yeah. hurt because she's already doing so much for all these animals. And here's this guy basically shaming her by saying no excuses. Yeah. Like, who are you? What do you know about it? Oh, God. Again, there is no greater poison in the bandwidths of the human consciousness collective than absolutism. Yeah. For me, there's no, because there's no breathing room. There's no, not a scintilla of doubt in Maga Mike here. Uh uh, that his way is not the way. There's not one scintilla. So the, the more absolute you are, you can be absolute without being absolutist without being delusional. But when you're an absolutist and you're delusional, uh, then you've got Mr. T. You know. Uh, so the combination. You mean Trump? Uh, uh, <laughs> you mean Trump, not Mr. T, the guy from the A team. Uh, the other Mr. <laughs> T, the, the 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 orange one. Yeah, <laughs> the orange T. Yeah, not the chocolate one. <laughs> <laughs> the orange one, okay. not the A-team member. Okay. All yeah. right. So let, let, let's connect to our theme here. Uh, and, yes. And we, we just did some good rubber meets the road stuff, though, because there's a metaphysical basis um, uh, how to, to start our conversation about why you'll never be satisfied, at least older souls. We want to make that clear up front. Mm. Younger souls are satisfiable with states of happiness uh, uh, because they're younger and it's more of a black and white orientation. Um, but um, in, in the deepest sense, the reason why uh, um, this, a state of happiness, perf, perf, wanting or needing happiness with, that doesn't include horrible uh, uh, abject pain, is uh, it all comes from the fact that we're doing life as our protector, inauthentic, strategic version of self, because that version of self was born in lack. It was mm. born in lack. And so it will always be searching for something to fill that lack. It never got emotosoulful food. So it's going to really over grab positive states of consciousness uh, to fill up that empty hole that never got Emoto soulfully sated, as it were. This would be a good place to define happiness. Do you have a definition for it? Um, boy, I used to. Um, it's in the yin update. I haven't thought about it. Give me a moment here how I would say it. Uh, I mean, we're talking about um, content. It's like content and state dependent moods, satisfaction. attitudes, satisfaction. satisfaction, content, and state yeah. dependent satisfaction. That's good. State, that's it. State dependent satisfaction. Good one, mm -hmm. because it, it, it discludes other states. Uh, uh, it doesn't include the fact that joy and despair are two bookends of the same emotive uh, energy. Mm -hmm. um, so um, the depth of, dis of despair is equal to the depth of, um, of joy, and those kinds of dualisms get obliterated in emotive maturity linked to spirit. Um, so in that sense, the first most basic thing is since we're always uh, by default uh, operating two thirds uh, uh, of our, our protector version of self that was born in lack and is still lives in lack, more is never enough to say. Uh, Millionaires want to be billionaires. Billionaires want to be multi-billionaires. Uh, um, you you think you'll you're if, to get your uh, to get a plasma TV maybe this um, 
big goal of yours to be able to buy one one day and there's no running down plasma big tv flat screens are wonderful um, but pretty soon after that you're going to need a stereo system for a lot of people that's got a match top end of that and then after that well god the sofa is just it's not that comfortable to watch tv so we got to get a new sofa it's never ending um, content-based uh, satisfaction state dependent satisfaction never is has a finish line one of my absolute favorite, speaking of absolutism, one of my absolute favorite quotes of yours from a long time ago is, you can never get enough of what doesn't really nourish you. Yeah, yeah. Things the junk food is, principle, I call that. The junk food, <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of teachers and, or, and, and, some, and a bunch of paradigms, you know, really are really clear, thingdom uh, won't satisfy you. But but they come from different uh, assumptions about the nature of consciousness. So well, uh, it's evolved from things. Everybody knows. I mean, I remember back when I was a kid, there were jokes about like whoever dies. Remember some poster that my parents had? Whoever dies with the most toys wins. It was yes. like that existed, but then that got substituted with states of consciousness because yes. this was the uh -huh. trickle down of the human potential movement. Uh, oh no, it's, things aren't going to satisfy you. Look how enlightened we are. You got to cultivate right. a certain state of mind and that's really what's yeah. going to satisfy you. Yes. And if there's uh, some as, things to help you get that state, then that's okay, kind of, but yeah. Oh, exactly right. So if, you, if there's state dependent satisfaction is your God, basically, mm -hmm. uh, this is going to hook uh, religious people to a very un, untenable kind of mooring. And that is the ultimate state of happiness is, is construed to be heaven, not here on earth, but in heaven yeah. uh, or paradise, depending paradise, on Islam yeah. or Christian, right? Um, or and so, uh, in Buddhism, uh, nirvana, you know, like you, you leave this place and never come back. You end the wheel of having to come right. to this toilet of a place Toilet but, but there's no the, duality. Right? That's an illusion. But you can still hate this place and want to leave. That's not somehow dualistic. Well, yeah. Well, and well, depending, of course, on the flavor of the uh, of the millennia of of, of Buddhism that way, uh, you not only could there never have been um, a way to separate from Buddha nature. There's no way to end Buddha nature either mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. you can't get out of it or or deny the inherent um uh, uh flaw in the in the um uh, in buddhism that one day mysteriously one part of buddha nature cleaved off from the other part of buddha nature to create duality <laughs> that's yes I mean, which they, is they, a they mystery through, because they can't well, they have no metaphysical explanation for well, that no yeah. metaphysical explanation they contra any any explanation contradicts the whole assumption in the first place well your mind so, is obviously grasping at some yeah. duality and you know oh, you're, yeah. you're suffering over needing to have one of the right. handful of things that um would make the whole paradigm fall apart you're just <laughs> needing to explain it it's sort of like you know you're looking at a oh, car and being like oh. well i'd buy this car but it has no carburetor well why are you hungry up on just this one little thing it doesn't work <laughs> the whole that. paradigm of buddhism doesn't work and if you dare question how it doesn't work then you're you're, you're shamed mildly or savagely yeah you should buy the whole car just because it's missing a wheel doesn't mean there's something wrong with it <laughs> exactly so in that sense um when you have you're coming from lack and you're going to also be prone to project you'll get you'll get a hook 
here mm -hmm. to project the ultimate happiness out of the lack of what's limiting in the human to paradise or or heaven where every moment god will pour golden love down your throat or or elevate you to uh, ultimate states of happiness that have no opposite uh, that it never there's no suffering on the other side well, identity steps in and says, um, hell is part of heaven. They're not mm -hmm. two different places, that there's a lot of suffering in the afterlife as we debrief uh, what we did or didn't do in any one lifetime. Uh, and that can be verified personally. As you, if you expand consciousness enough, you can access these kinds of memories and realities. So no belief, uh, we say so many times, uh, unlike Christianity or any other religion, uh, there's no beliefs uh, in uh, identity. Only, I, would you like to have this self-verified for you? Well, here's some Jenga pieces. You can start withdrawing from mm -hmm. your consciousness tower until it all collapses, and then you'll know what we mean uh, with all heart and respect on everyone's uh, um, path. But so if the pursuit sense, of happiness is working for you, as we say so often, then you should yep. keep pursuing it. Keep pursuing it until it doesn't work for you anymore. When you have everything that you could have imagined in your world, like a lot of multi-jillionaires have, mm -hmm. what, in the what always happens, mostly unconscious, is they, they realize there's a hole in the center of their being. And they've got to, they, they have to work really hard to cover that hole of the lack of meaning. They have muchness, but they don't yeah, have meaning. Muchness, nice. <laughs> you know? And That's so, a killer the, distinction. Muchness, but not meaning. Yeah. Exactly. You muchness can't, you is can't, meaning in service. Exactly. Oh, mm -hmm. nicely put. That we, we can measure muchness, but we can't mm -hmm. measure meaning in any sort of quantifiable way. It's, qualifiable only there's a quality of consciousness that measures uh that, that's the uh um uh what do they call it the um not the measure but the uh oh there's another great word the measure of meaning is qualitative not quantitative and so in that sense uh when we say the state of happiness will not um satisfy an older soul we mean that you can't get at it from lack. You have to get at it from wholeness, not lack. And mm -hmm. wholeness only happens when you start to wean yourself off the very consciousness bandwidth that you are right now as your um, protector self that cannot That's help but important. come from lack. Yeah. That's super important. So if the, there's a reach toward a state of consciousness or an object of desire, and intrinsic in the motive behind the reach is trying to get away from some lack, some pain, yes. Yes. some difficulty, then that creates a split where now you're in at least two places at once, yes. but you think reaching toward the thing that you want is going to make all of you happy. But yes. how could it? Because you just split yourself in the reach. You can't split yourself to wholeness, right? Mm -hmm. uh, exactly right. And 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 the only way is is uh, emoto spiritually homeopathic, and that is you have to sink back into the lack. What's not working? Like like we said last time, with a beautiful quote by um, uh, Dream Man. Uh, uh, I can't wait. Who is Dream? Found, Carl Jung. 
Uh, yes, Freud? yeah, Jung, yeah, no, Jung. Where, where uh, we, I can't we believe I got that from Dream Man. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That was great, Joseph. Uh, uh, where, where you don't, you don't uh, get, you don't get enlightened by going for the light. You go, you get enlightened by sinking into the dark. Uh, paraphrasing. Yeah. Same principle yeah. here. So anything that you go that way for to get away from something conscious or unconscious back here that's bedeviling you is doomed to splitness uh and and that will never get you to satisfaction because you have to include the negative emotional what you've been taught are negative emotional states to get to positive ones this is a great way for me to cram in here a little show and tell um in uh in the psychology section of the guardian last week a the headline read anger can lead to better results when tackling tr tricky tasks hyphen study and uh, it was a study done in texas and i'll just read a few quick pieces from it they actually used a lot of people um, survey data from 1400 people to explore the possible impact of anger on people in various circumstances and so they showed students images previously found to elicit anger desire amusement sadness or no emotion at all and then participants were subsequently asked to solve a series of anagrams and the results revealed that for a challenging set of anagrams, those who were angry did better than those in the other possible emotional states, although no difference was seen for easy anagrams. And so uh -huh. my favorite part was the, it's, this is always the best part in these articles where it's like, <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. And I wonder what, how the study was. And then the neuroscientist <laughs> writes some stupid ass dense shit, summing it up in a completely bad way. That's yeah. a little extreme, but. Listen to this, quote, people often prefer to use positive emotions as tools more than negative and tend to see negative emotions as undesirable and maladaptive, uh -huh. hence calling them negative emotions. Our yeah. research adds to the growing evidence that a mix of positive and negative emotions promotes well-being. Record scratch. What? A mix <laughs> of positive and negative emotions promotes well-being. And then you should be re-examining your entire paradigm because then it's not negative anymore. Like right there, right. Wh right. where's the distinction between essence and expression? Like where's yes. the, hmm, I guess they can't be negative. But see, he's looking at the, no, no, the emotions are negative. What we do with them must oh, be. Oh, yes. That's surely how they're looking at it. So yeah. mix of positive and negative emotions promotes well-being and that using negative emotions as tools can be particularly effective in some situations. So this is redefining happiness. It's not about getting rid of the negative emotions. Science is now growingly saying it's just having the right mix. The right mix, <laughs> yes. Well, and how do you quantify what that mix is for every person uh, with different value <laughs> systems, right? So, oh God, yeah. And and so let's let's tackle uh, another rabbit hole here that uh, contributes to why happiness will never serve you. Uh, it, it's related directly, um, in my opinion. We'll try to make that argument, and that is this whole issue of do we have free will or don't we have free will? Ah, yes. Okay, wait, before we go down that rabbit hole, though, I want to make sure because um, it's easy for us to uh, assume people would know. Okay. So, Stace, founder of Identity, <laughs> um, why is it, what would your explanation be for why anger would help people with difficult oh. tasks? <laughs> we left that well, out. Well, um, 
it requires, first of all, the, the, to make a distinction between rage and anger, um, mm. and that anger is actually a, a healthy form, a healed form of rage. Ra rage is always comes from victimhood and wants to fix something outside of you, whereas anger is the healed form of what we would call inner conviction. And when you're in you, when you have conviction about something, when you have anger, which is differently expressed than rage, it's more, it includes pain. It includes mm -hmm. emotive um, uh, 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 substrates in it. It doesn't disclude them. Whereas rage, there's no, there's nothing but hate or vituperation or whatever it is. But at the so, essence of it is always still the authentic anger or anguish. Exactly right. Anguish. That's the better term I've been using uh, since 2012 is it's anguish because that 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 makes it makes anger squishy. Literally, uh, you, you, mm. you have painful inward uh, heartfulness uh, to your anger. And so that when you're operating out of anger, uh, a healed form, uh, many things do start to clear up, you can be much more decisive and you, you'll have unexpected, unmindfully positive unfoldments, not the one that you imagine with rage, I'm going to fix this, you know, uh, by being really pissed off at it. No. Uh, uh, so when they say anger, they don't make a distinction between anger and rage. So the whole thing becomes, wait, what? It's just a squishy mess. It's just a squishy it's like, mess. It's, to me, it's like watching children try to like teach themselves chess or something when scientists talk about emotion, because it's like, the scientists are operating with the good emotions feel good and the bad emotions, they feel bad. And we're saying like, well, it's actually more complex than that. At the yeah. very essence of rage is passion and conviction and determination. Yes. And yes. like there's various levels of that that you can't measure with any of your instruments, but it still could yes. be there anyway. And <laughs> yes. that's why people are more competent when they can draw upon the soul level determination and conviction and passion that's at the essence of rage. Yes. And so but they can't measure that. So who cares? Right. So, yeah. And that's why they don't use the word soul there. You can't measure yeah. soul. Although what, what was it? Uh, how many grams? Uh, what was that movie? Uh, 21. Oh, 21 grams of uh, energy leaves you when you die, you know, but anyway, they don't use the word soul and, and that would clarify everything because the soulful version of our, what the, all negative emotions, what we call negative emotions are conditioned into us by not having enough emotive soulful food in childhood. So yeah. those are all wound based, but there's no distinction between healthy negative emotions and and unhealthy negative emotions because there's no background context to measure uh, uh, anything if you don't include soulful, the difference between soulful uh, consciousness and the local wounded consciousness. So yeah, uh, that's why it won't work. Uh, and it's it just a, becomes a mess. So, But here you've got some headlines, Joseph. Uh, you yeah. know, there's some headlines that are interesting but unfortunately, when they only have the headline and not the Dharma, well, we've noticed that they, these tasks get done better uh, and solving anagrams. Uh, wait, what's the mechanism? What's the mech? Well, we just noticed that with some yeah. anger in there, it's positive it result. But what's the mechanism that does that? You yeah, see, what are you no going to do with your model that's been negativizing <laughs> the negative emotions? You've got to go right. back to the drawing board. I mean, maybe one day. Um, yeah. But there's no, the last quote was, we have to, you know, what it didn't say was, 
we have to entirely question our model that is labeling some emotions as yes. uh, bad and other emotions are good, especially because there's this thing called grief. And when someone dies that you love, it hurts, but somehow it delivers you to this better place and you have to go through it. So how negative could yeah. that really be? And why are we right. giving people one out of eight Americans pills to make them feel better if sometimes negative, yes. bad feeling emotions are actually important and healthy to feel? And it makes my head hurt trying to go into that mall and look out. <laughs> well, don't, it. don't, you'll get your, your, your poor mental body of your soul uh, will get yeah. claustrophobic here. Uh, I really just went in there. That was weird. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that leads actually perfectly. Um, does you use the word determination, you know, mm -hmm. as a positive mm. uh, expression of passion? Determination goes right into the ultimate deterministic question of all. Do we have an agency of consciousness called free freedom of will or don't we? One and, of the most boring philosophical oh, conundrums. Every yet, time I see it, I'm just like, oh my God, stop. It's, but the reason I want to talk about it in relative to happiness is because yeah. it, if there is an agency of willfulness, let's just, we can all agree that there is an agency of consciousness called willfulness. Mm -hmm. But whether it's fully 100% conditioned, as neuroscientists will tell you, um, that, there, that everything that you will to manifest has been conditioned into you. There's no freedom of will because it's, everything's been put into you by your environment or by your upbringing or by your value system that was put into you by your parents or that you yourself are drawn to. Um, and, and the only thing to say about it, of course, uh, the, our headline, which, which I have to deconstruct and I will, is yeah. um, the proof that we have freedom of will is that <laughs> We can choose between a paradigm that says there's no freedom of will and there is freedom of will. Oh, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> we can resolve. No, I mean, come on. But I, I, I have, I have a little scientist in my brain uh, I, that uh, that always reflects the uh, the uh, uh, the atheistic, um, deterministic. Uh, the consciousness is created by brain tissue paradigm. Uh, that said, that could answer me that when I say, well, you're, um, we have freedom of will because we can choose between a paradigm that says we have freedom of will and not don't have freedom of will. Someone could say inside their paradigm and think it's it's complete is, well, you're just conditioned uh, to even go to that meta context about freedom of will. You're sure. conditioned somehow. So I can cop to that, that in their paradigm, that's true. But Anytime there's a, it's happening all over. I've seen five articles uh, in, in the in the in the country, even in the Utney Reader, which I love. I love the Utney Reader, uh, mm -hmm. uh, their news source too, uh, about freedom of will being uh, another scientist has proven absolutely there's no such thing as freedom of will. All you have to do is start thinking paradigmatically. Wait, why, Every, why is this happening? Why are why is science trying to validate victimhood that way? What's going on? Um, <laughs> because things are I, so bad in our society. <laughs> no, they want to get let off the hook. Uh, they, they want they want to let people off. Oh, the because hook. psychology is dead ending. That's why. Yes, because it's not see, working. <laughs> it's not working. So, we can't we hey, can't change the conditioning. So therefore, it's no, hardwired. <laughs> right, it's hardwired. Wait, you got hard, their perspective is you got hardwired hard in by experience, and that can't be changed. 
We can mitigate the symptoms with these pills, though. It's only $30 a month for the rest of your life. But right. sorry, you're hardwired. That's the best you can hope for. That's yeah. the best. And because the talk therapy hit a dead end, if you define human consciousness as energetic or as, as intellect or as dualistic, all these things, uh, talk therapy dead, is dead ending, has been dead ending for a long time because they don't define the essence of human consciousness as emoto-soulful. Uh, yeah. So if you think paradigmatically, we say this all the time in other, in other podcasts, right? The ability to think paradigmatically cuts through the cheese. Uh, no, every single time with a minimum of effort, the only paradigm that can inside their paradigm justify that there's no such thing as negative or there's no such thing as a free will <laughs> is in a deterministic consciousness comes out of uh, gray and white matter of the brain. Uh, atheism, there's no theism that would ever say we uh, don't have free will. Only atheisms say we have no free will, but they're at least being consistent in their paradigm. I, I, can, I can agree with them if I shrink to fit into their paradigm. This, that if, if they say that all consciousness comes out of brain tissue, then it makes a real easy step to say that what goes into us hardwires yeah. us. There's no other meta that we can heal from our conditioning, except drugs, like you just said, see? Mm -hmm. So freedom of will and, and identity is, um, is, a, is a core principle. And the only, I, I can't really use this as any sort of courtroom um, uh, assurance, but on the other side, when you uh, when you um, are no longer uh, ensouling as human gravitational uh, domained cellular version of your soul, uh, you have freedom of will to say yes or no in any moment to whatever is out there that wants to help you grow in the afterlife as your debrief. That's just one element of freedom of will. And so willfulness, just like the mental body, I want to bring in the mental body here because it's related. We have a mental body that is not associated with the brain. When we're human, the mental body of the soul works through the brain. It's not caused by the brain. We die, and it, all the people who um, talk about um, uh, after-death experiences, they're still thinking. They can still think. They can still reflect. They have a mental body, and yet it's dissociated from the brain. So only atheists, neuroscientists, consciousness comes from brain matter, whatever flag the ridiculousness, we don't have freedom of will because we both have willfulness and mental acuity without the brain, without the body. They just don't remember what it's like between lifetimes, that's all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, when, you're, when you can remember what happens between lifetimes, which is possible for uh, uh, people in identity, happens quite a bit. Uh, they get, as you said, um, educed in some ways into um, healing towards soulful consciousness, away from wounded, conditioned consciousness, away from the protector to the soulful aspect, they they can start having spontaneous memories and 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 sensations of uh, what happens between lifetimes. So yeah, I've had experiences like that in um, Zen medit in um, non-dual meditation and uh, with uh, um, hallucinogens as well. Things that sort of um, explode or bypass the mind 
yeah, the yeah. mind can get the, 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 it can get very, 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 very thinned out and you can mm -hmm. experience sort of like the raw mental body mechanism that is by comparison, extremely simple, not very fast, not very busy compared right. to the, the brain activity, but there's, there's an essential kind of mental body yes. that yeah. when you whittle it all the way down, it's not doing much, but it's not disappearable unless you lose consciousness and experiences having you like in Satori. Right. Um, yes. But on the way there, it really thins out. Yeah. And if you get it thinned out all the way down to the zero and one, the yes and the no, you know, mm -hmm. really that's the simplest way to, um, that the mind is the basic theme, uh, governing dynamic is yes, no, mm -hmm. zero, one. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's really simple. Now we can find all sorts of cognitive um, uh, uh, additions to those yes and no's and justifications, but it's yes, no. It's binary. It's binary, uh, uh, the mental body. And so, and this is the same for, for willfulness in the expression. You could say the mental body is yes, no, and the will carries out or expresses that yes or no. That's why mental body and, and, and willful bodies are, um, are, are so linked. And why you can get lost in mental, willful uh, land like neuroscientists. So, do. just to clarify, uh, it goes willful body, mental body, mind, and then brain. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's a good I'm way to, to, to brain and mind. I thought I'd throw in there. Yeah, sure. Because brain's a precipitate of mind. The soul has a mind. I mean, we could yes. call it mental body too, but right, um, the mind. Yeah, you can call it yeah. mind. Uh, it's a, it's discernment. Uh, the mind is based on discernment on a zero one mm -hmm. binary uh, 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 foundation, and so uh, if you if you pass and uh, you have a ton of attachments, uh, you've passed suddenly. Let's say um, you have a ton of attachments that you weren't prepared for, like the people who were instantly killed when the planes flew into um, in the, the towers in New York. Uh, I know I, I've heard of a couple of psychics that I think we talked about this before that uh, they were flooded with hundreds of souls in their flat and a safe way away, uh, away in New York. Uh, people, mm -hmm. the souls not knowing where, where, where they were and where they were going was instantaneous that they were killed. Uh, but if you have a ton of attachments, you can say yes or no to moving on and stay hanging around this plane, uh, which is what we call hauntings or ghosts or uh, uh, your even your willfulness and your mind together uh, of, your, of your soul can say no to going further on because that's, that's another unknown. You just had an unknown happen to you quickly. You don't want to go to another unknown when there's a gate up there at 45 degrees saying, come on. Come, come yeah. away from there. You're done uh, yeah. for this lifetime. So again, we, we can answer, um, we have x-ray vision to a lot more complexity to both willfulness and mind and what, what, what you were saying before about uh, negative emotions and your, your mind wasn't, your mind of your soul was imploding because it couldn't fit into the mind of your, of this of the person that you were I literally were, I started to give myself to. a headache trying to crawl yeah. inside that little box. So um, what, what we would call, what, what, what current, um, our current world calls happiness uh, we we would say, and this is a classic quote from Eden from identity. Well, I, I see. I have to start. I have a couple of people telling me, "Don't say identity says." Say I say, and I'm really having a hard trouble with that one because I and identity, me and identity, are so 
identity. Uh, ident yeah, they're so one thing that it's it's okay to fumble a little bit with that. Um, I, I can yeah, say you I, should. I mean, it's sure. yeah, it's it's okay. But identity says that. Um, uh, oh, I think God. it should be. Well, that's an interesting rabbit hole. I I hold it that it's good to go back and forth because if if you only do one or the other, yeah. If you say identity all the time, then it's like you're fo a follower in a religion, and it's the model first person second. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you say, um, if you always say I, then there's no s experimentation space. Yes. I'm uh -huh. testing this out. Yes. I, I right. think this. Yeah. So I think it should be, it should be fumbly. It should be, and that's what I do, and I and I've gotten a little comfortable with that, but um, uh, for. for for that sense, now I lost the track we were on sorry. with that rabbit sorry. hole. No, that's all right. Uh, I was going, no, that's fine. Um, what was it that I was trying to say there? Identity has a base a base uh, uh, theorem. Oh, yes, that um, we're not here to be happy. Yes. We're here to be real, real. And real includes, like we've said so many times with the, the journey of the hero or the heroine, always in all of history and all of literature and in all of our lives there is a descent into hell that uh, that the her hero or the heroine the crisis that has to be solved before yeah. the prize is claimable right um, and, all, and the three acts of most scripts of what are there's only seven movies that have ever been made. Uh, yeah, those, depending on whose model it is, there's yeah, like 17 right. steps or 11 yeah. steps or whatever, the, the hero's journey. And sure. what I found, I taught a whole course about the hero slash heroine's journey um, and uh, in film, which was really fun. And we did like The Shape of Water as the female wow. version of it and Star Wars and stuff like that. But what I find so funny about the hero's journey is most people want to learn about other people's heroes' journeys, <laughs> just like <laughs> like the New Testament. Jesus' right. story is a total um, hero's right. journey, yes. but Christian, the average Christian, doesn't see it as a arc of what their path is and like right. what their fall from grace is, what their resurrection is, all of that. Yes. They don't see it as a mythology that applies to them. They yes. think, well, Jesus did it, so I don't have to, and rah, rah, go Jesus. Thanks for doing <laughs> that for me. No, no, it's That's your sweet. path. It's your That's path. The cru he was an archetype for actual mm. growth and change. Change uh, Crucified on a cross, I mean, the, at, the ver at, the, at the intersection of the horizontal and the vertical, the vertical mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, representing spirit and human, uh, um, crucified at the intersection of the human and the spirit, the ultimate conflict between spirit and flesh. Uh, you, you, everyone has their own resurrection, as you say. Everyone has their own crucifixion. Everyone has their own path that Yeshua was just templating for all of us. It's templation, not not salvation. Yeah, uh, nice. It, well, the step where most people get hung up on is one of the first few steps uh, they call the refusal of the call. There's the call to adventure. I think right, that's the first right. step. And mm -hmm. then one of the first few steps is the refusal of the call. And right. so when I taught this course, I was talking to people like, okay, so what's your refusal of the call? And people yeah. would just like scratch their heads a lot because they they had a hard time really looking at how because in in real life for most people the refusal of the call is something they have a subscription to they refuse the call every six to ten months 
You yes. know, there's a call yeah. and they refuse. There's a call and they refuse, and they were, and and that's I think what older souls. One of the ways of, that we could describe older souls is they just they can't refuse the call anymore. Yes. They can't refuse they can't. the call. Yeah, yeah. So I think I just was flashing on Frodo. You know, uh, uh, his mm. refusal uh, uh, came in the form of, well, I'm I'm just uh, um, from the Shire. You know, uh, I'm, yeah. what, what was his race? What what do they call him? Uh, a Hobbit. Hobbit. I'm just a Hobbit. Just kind of halfling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not I'm not cut out for this hero stuff, you know. And then of course Samwise comes in as his uh, his adjutant, and uh, wow. Anyway, yeah, the refusal. Wait, wait, I want to say one more thing about that because I love the love Lord of the Rings, and and I I cry every time. I believe it's at the it's at the end of the first film slash book where they're at the. Um, Council of Rivendell and everybody's uh, um, joined together. They've got the ring and everybody's like, finally, we can put it in the elf's hands and we can just leave it here and call this whole thing a day. And the elf people are like, no, no, you can't leave it here. It has to be destroyed. You've got a big adventure ahead of you. And then they get in this yeah. big argument about right. what to do. And then the, the, Frodo is the only one not arguing about what to do. And it just comes upon him. And he, yeah. he says, I will bear the ring. And then there's this shot of Gandalf where he just, it's like anguish where he's Gandalf. It's a close-up of, of Gandalf and he's just like, it's a, it's this beautiful close-up yeah. shot where it's like anguish and recognition. He's like, oh fuck, of course, that's what has to happen. And Frodo yeah. doesn't even understand no, why he's no. having to do it. Right. He just knows that's his path. Yeah, he and he couldn't refuse it in the end. Yeah, he could. Yeah, he couldn't refuse it. He just knew that was his 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 thing to do. And yeah. uh, what I love about that moment is it, it captures the the emotivity and the soulfulness of what it, it like accepting the call to adventure is not a logical thing. Oh. Um, and the other yeah. good example of that in Star Wars, um, because Luke refuses the call from yes. Obi Wan. Sure. Yes, sure. And he has a different sort of setup. His parents are literally burned, or his foster parents are burned, and yeah. his, he has nowhere to go back to. That's another way it happens. Yeah. But a real call to adventure is it's accepted when you really, in one way, set up for yourself that you don't have a choice. You still have a choice, but you you sort of backed yourself into a corner. Uh, and for sure. that's how the soul works. Yeah, and of course, then I flash on one of my other favorite moments uh, in the Indiana Jones uh, uh, saga, where he's where Indiana Jones steps out onto what looks like is an abyss and finds it's just oh, yeah. an optical illusion. Uh, he, in that moment, he is willing to fall to his death for the sake of his call, his calling yeah. in that moment. And then surprisingly as hell, then the camera shifts to show how the bridge was camouflaged by the optics of the moment there. Uh, yeah. Another in the same way, he, his experience, of course, he always has a choice, but his experience yes. is like, well, this enemy's behind me. I might as well take this right. leap. What else am yeah. I going to do? I'm going to die either way. So may as well take it. So and that's and so, yeah. but I, I love we're so attracted to the I mean this is in like you know almost every film in one way or another we're so attracted to this but it's just so sad that people don't take those leaps of of courageous um destiny choosing moments in, in their own lives because that's what will get them not toward happiness to go back to our theme but to fulfillment it requires it's that fulfillment. kind of courageous yeah. leap you know, and you, you hear sometimes uh, that narcissism or um, 
even I've heard that about uh, um, what's the borderline also people is that um, it's not unhelpful in, in one way. You got to be a little careful here that you could see your life as a movie where you're the director and all the cast, the writer, the director, and all the cast. The rest mm -hmm. of the cast are your aspects inside, segmented aspects of you that are either wounded or not as real as your soulful truth aspect. Um, everything's real, but some things are more realer than others. Healed emotion is more real than wounded emotion, even though wounded emotion is real in its own domain. So in that sense, um, when if you look at yourself as the director, you get the final cut. You're also the editor, but the the, the director has has fi final cut uh, for the uh, final edition. But to welcome all the cast that you, we all are, multiple versions of ourselves in any moment uh, that are working behind the scenes unconsciously to create forms and expressions that are always problematic. That's how we can identify. Uh, wounded emotion-based um, activity is they always dead end, or they will, they will, they cause conflict, more conflict than satisfaction in a deeper uh, mode. So in that sense, it's it's okay to see yourself as as the the lead in the movie, the editor, the director, and all the cast members all set to tell a story in some arc that gets you um, based in freedom of will, freedom of choice. Uh, intrinsic to consciousness, second only to emotivity, where emotive beings first, then willful, then mental, then physical. And my and look at that, my right uh, uh, earbud just <laughs> fell out on that one. Your will-sided uh, earbud. Yeah, it just fell right out in there. Yeah, interesting. So in that sense, um, let's uh, steer our way here to complete this uh, in the sense that um, if, if we, in identity offers, we're not here to be happy, we're not here to chase unexamined happiness. We have to, we found a way through emotive means to drop ourselves, drop ourselves into deeper and deeper examinations. Uh, we keep examining why we want what we want in any moment, a moment. In other words, here's what I'd like to do with my partner right now. That would make me happy. But that doesn't happen. Okay, why isn't that, that happening? Is there a dissonance in the bond? Is there a dissonance in you that won't let it happen? Is there a dissonance in your dissonance in your partner that won't let that happen? What's going on here? We've got algorithms uh, in our work to uh, discern all those different pieces. So unexamined happiness is just about, well, we could say it the other way too, Joseph. Uh, we said this many, many hundreds of times that. The, the opiate of the masses is the seeking happiness. That's the yeah. ultimate, the most primary drug of human consciousness, all been, because- More adherence than religion. More. more. It includes religion. It includes religion, exactly. It's one of its perfect examples of what doesn't work. Uh, mm -hmm. So in that sense, uh, this is why um, what, what we've got going with us here is not happiness seeking, but realness seeking. We're real in our authentic soulful consciousness. We're wounded in our conditioned local protector consciousness. And that distinction allows something to outside of the conditioned self to do operations, healing operations on the wounded conditioned self, which is denied by neuroscience, for example. There's no outside yeah. agent to perform operations. So we are victims of conditioning 
All we can do is mood mood lift with uh, psychotropic drugs or attitudes or positive uh, thinking and all that crap. Uh, so what you can't operate and change anything except from a meta place upon which uh, meta to that which you want to operate, need to operate on. Yeah, thinking cannot, What we had some beautiful examples of the last few podcasts. You can't you drink, drink the soup if your face is in it. Yes. <laughs> A teacher once said it. Oh, that's good. You can't think your way. Well, philosophy is thinking about thinking. You know, there's a yeah. dead end if, uh, if, if ever it wasn't. Now, it might be a, an interesting journey to that dead end, but you can't mm -hmm. think about, you can't use the Think the the uh, the algorithm of thinking to think about itself. You need an upstream thing. You always need a, a, a some sort of meta to do an operation to change something. You can't change in the same domain of consciousness that you need the change to do. You can't change mm -hmm. it from that same place, like Einstein said in his famous thing. You can't solve a problem mm -hmm. at the same level, right? So on that, like, that's a good segue. We were talking about um, before we uh, started recording um, the uh, uh, a, a, an updated version of what, in some essential way, emotional body, emotive body, and soulment is. Is that, um, and I've been directly experiencing it recently, working with people to use my soul to elicit the soul of the person I'm working with, so that they experience their local personality that is going to be a mix of all sorts of stuff, gold and green, uh, and the essential soulfulness so that they can sort out what's actually real for them. Yeah. Yeah. Real yeah. versus happy, real versus suffering loops, real versus stagnative or self-destructive. That So this is where humanistic psychology was onto something. Yes. Like, well, the client has their own answers. Yeah, the soul of the client does. Yes. Do you know how to get to that? <laughs> yes, it's not, it's not answerable in the in the protector self. It's just not answerable. You have to go meta, yeah. and you can't do that without spiritual a spiritual based paradigm. You just can't and that do it. yeah, and that's exactly right because psychology says it, it's if it slaves emotions to mind and and sees feelings as downstream of mind. I mean, they're basically all just trying to say like, well, how can we? control or acknowledge yes. or validate yeah. or mitigate or work with the feelings using our mind because their picture is that the feelings are downstream of mind right and if that were true it would work it would really work. well it would work it gets, if, yes, and, and there's there's the proof in the pudding it would have worked yeah. by now for god's sake if that was true the fundamental well, tell that premise. to like Christianity or Islam or something yeah, that they've been at it even longer. Well, yeah, how much? How many thousands of years? Why hasn't the? Why isn't there a universal health, healthy caliphate, or why isn't there heaven on earth yeah. uh, uh, with a? Well, oh it makes me think of that line in Waiting for Godot, where one character says to the other, "I can't go on like this," and the other one says, "That's what you think." <laughs> That's the human condition, right there. I can't go on like this. Yeah, you can, and you will actually. You'll go on like this for two hundred lives. In university, I actually uh, played one of those characters, the one who said, uh, <laughs> "In Waiting for Godot, yes, you can. You oh, yes, you can." That I always forget the two names of them, uh, but I, I played that uh, that guy. Said that, so I love that I, you were in that play. That is awesome. I, I I reflected on that many times over the years. Uh, how interesting that was. That even at a tender age of twenty four, uh, uh, I was uh, already attracted to these existential kinds of uh, 
dynamics, waiting for God, of course. This is so obvious, good old God, you know, waiting for some divine revelation to make sense of the human condition, right? So one was a little wiser than the other, but they were both sort of equally um, uh, stuck in that way. Just reflecting yeah. mirror, two mirrors to each other. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just enough. Uh, one had a little bit more of an edge, a little, yeah. a little bit more of a meta edge, just to create a little bit of a tension. But they were both exactly. Yeah. So um, I mean, that's where psychology goes. Well, um, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Their whole their paradigm is treating symptoms. They don't even hold up healing as an actual endpoint. So why would they ever be dissatisfied with their results? Yeah. Um, well, and there's that's, no framework for it. Absolutely, Joseph. And that's why it's been frustrating over the years uh, for me when people who do things like Waking Down or Diamond Heart or some of these other psycho-spiritual kinds of things, when they hear about what we do, they, oh, we do that too. And, and they don't, um, but they convince themselves that if they get in touch with feelings, then they're doing uh, emotional work. And that's just yeah. in our paradigm that's only half the answer, half the, the, the doorway. You've got to go through another whole doorway, difference between feelings and emotivity. So, but you can't, yeah, people will say, well, yeah, well, we, we do this work too and convince themselves that they have and but that, that they do that work for them. That's good. That's where they should be. No, no criticism whatsoever. But it's definitely, we have a whole other definition of healing, as you just said. Uh, what we mm -hmm. call healing is not symptom abatement. Uh, it's causal. But you can't go to what we would call causal unless you go to soul upstream of the conditioned local wounded version of ourselves we call the protector. So that's where we unite spirituality and psychology uh, in one fell swoop by saying that thoughts come downstream of emotivity, that emotosoulful consciousness is the prime the prime uh, essence of human consciousness. And it's it's just so tragic um, and sad sometimes where I get, I feel these upwellings of like, maybe I can find some group of psychiatrists to talk to and like, or a, I could write something for some magazine or something. And it's this crazy making thing, like, because you can only talk to those people from inside their paradigm right and that's what that's why their paradigm doesn't work yes exactly right? the, the missing piece <laughs> of soul and that they've divorced psychology from spirituality is why it's so limited but you can't talk to them about that because you can't even get the word spirituality in the door of one of their conferences no that no. eliminates you as being a credible expert yes. that and vice versa and vice versa, exactly. Uh, Did you remember I got interviewed by Psychology Today way back in the day? Do you remember no, that? No. Yeah. No, I might have been I, I still time. Have, what happened? I still have that uh, the, the transcript of that article. Uh, Psychology Today, I don't know how they found me, but they interviewed me. <laughs> and it actually showed up in the Psychology uh, uh, Today uh, magazine. In the magazine. print magazine? Yeah, in the print magazine. Wow. And it just instantly died <laughs> because everything as I, I was saying they didn't they they were not the interviewer and the editor apparently weren't thinking paradigmatically at all uh, they thought oh this guy's got a new juicy form of um, 
of psychology. You know, let's let's a new let's, technique inside my existing inside paradigm. Of, That's what they're right, looking for. Right. Of course, he must also think emotions are a subset of mind, and it, we treat it, symptoms. And then right. you talk, and then they go, "Huh, it doesn't land anywhere." Well, they they must have. I think they advertised it in the month before, so they feel like they had to publish it. Uh, but it went absolutely nowhere. I've got no. We got a. I got a link uh, for any follow up uh, questions or criticisms or anything, and nothing came through. It, it was. I had to go into their paradigm, and there's there on the pages are the three circles, you know, and uh -huh. um, it, it was too big to fit, and they didn't get that it didn't fit inside there. So it was really a really interesting dynamic uh, how it just yeah, died it was that's stillborn what, it brings despair in me sometimes it's like yeah when the because the, the the more clear i get as a soul the more clearly i see this yeah. and it's like like actually sort of i don't know energetically experience how like i see people miss what i'm saying sometimes like you know a batter misses a ball it's just like yes. oh they just missed that entirely right, right and like there's just like how do you what, what i mean how do you how do you do that giving people an experience of their own soul is the only way i know how to get anywhere near that but right. if the person's not in pain then there's no motive for them to really look at themselves in any kind of different way it's not well, it's not yeah. like a roller coaster ride you know no, and even if you could at this stage, like we talked yeah. a little bit about yesterday uh, and before the podcast started today, uh, if you get uh, people to a certain place where you actually do employ um, uh, uh, educement uh, uh, of a, from your soul to their soul to get them to some place, they won't be able to digest it, digest it, and actually make changes with it unless they've done some other deconstructive work uh, prior to or following, uh, depends yeah, on the yeah. persons, and, you know? So really, what do you do? And this has been my insanity, uh, uh, a part of me I used to say all the time, I'm, I'm just managing my insanity because I'm trying to teach something that obviates the assumptions of every other paradigm, secular and spiritual on the planet, and there's no way to get through their paradigm. That people don't even know that they have. No, they, they don't know what they're holding a paradigm. They don't even know they're holding a paradigm. Um, yeah. and, and much less be able to see the friction between identity and theirs. Uh, yeah, so the, but they just, they experience, they experience that friction, but they don't know what it is. They, yeah. they experience that their deepest held values and assumptions about reality are being a challenge, but because yeah. they don't actually know what they are, right. all they experience is this doesn't feel good to me. I don't like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's actually that's what happens. And and part part of the way my insanity expressed was uh, in becoming more and more edgily um, uh, pissed off and willful um, mm -hmm. because I I knew in the deepest part of me there's no way to get this into their paradigmatic paradigmatic blindness there's yeah. no way to get it in so what am i doing what am i doing why would i bother doing this one of the, some of the yeah. first talks i did was in in metaphysical libraries i i, I picked sure. them on purpose and i would start every talk in a metaphysical library look at these thousands of books every one of them 
has a paradigm that governs the governing dynamic of whatever's inside this book. Why are you here? There's all, look at thousands of books in this library. Why are you here to hear about anything else? Why hasn't that worked? You're only here because maybe you've read 10 of these thousands of books or 20 or maybe 30. Why are you coming mm -hmm. to talk here? Somebody who's got a contrarian uh, view here, you should have already been uh, yeah. fulfilled. Um, and that always got him. Whoa, dude, you know, wait, you know, you having I, I, heard, I learned that from you a long time ago. And I did a talk in Bend, Oregon once. And I it was a it was a thing where like it was like a Unitarian type church thing. And yeah, every yeah, uh -huh. whatever, yeah. every week they would have some speaker from a different paradigm. And sure. I got one of those slots and I started the talk with exactly that. Uh -huh. And a guy at the end almost took a swing at me. Like literally someone was had to pull the guy away because he was so upset that I pointed out that he hadn't found a coherent paradigm as evidenced by that he still wanted to learn more things. Because yes, exactly. all I said was like, you must not have found what you're really looking for because you're still picking, right. you're learning about different things. Right. And like, that's what you should do is choose one and take it all away. And he was so offended by that. He almost yeah. started a fist fight. Oh boy, did you just trigger his insecurity there, huh? A confident I'm person sure. would yeah, have embraced well, I mean, that. And right? yeah, and in his defense, based on who I was then, I'm sure there was no small amount of arrogance in the way that I said it. However, that doesn't make it untrue. No, just because we have a contribution to another person's reaction doesn't mean their reaction isn't also driven by their own inner issues. Right. There's a, a real yeah. bottom line assumption that we work with in the personhood version of our. Yeah. If that our happened today, maybe he could own, he could have some meta to his reaction. I could own my arrogance and we could go have a beer or something. I don't know. Yeah. But exactly. um, that's the, the, I'm working on a book right now that I'm finally uh, finishing uh, about um, uh, ayahuasca, Zen, and the soul's journey. I'm feeling an upwelling to finally finish that. But the second book I want to finish is about paradigmatic thinking. I'm thinking about calling it, what's your paradigm? That would oh, be, nice. I don't know if it would work, but like to stand sort of um, invisibly in, at least in the beginning, to stand in identity and teach about paradigms without actually naming any of the tenets of identity. Oh, until the nice. end. Until the, I was or, just going to say, I hope till the end, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would at least point to it. You know, sure, I mean, course. you couldn't, yeah. you know, you couldn't squeeze in 400 pages at the end to, you know, do it proper treatment, but no, something, no. something, but just yeah. something to educate people like, hey, what's your paradigm? Do you know what it is? Here's how to yeah. find it out. Do you realize you're testing it? Maybe right. that will help you test it better, faster, and Here are the you know, see that you have alternatives. Yeah. yeah. Here's oh, all yeah. the that, elements. That would the be paradigm. the frame. Yeah. The nine elements yeah. would be the frame of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look what look how we've uh, come full circle here in one sense. Um, if we're saying that the pursuit of happiness is only a wound-based drug um, coming from lack of the version of ourselves that has been conditioned to be wounded, then the only other option that's sane from identity's point of view is uh, my point of view. Identity's point of view is realness to seek realness, not preferential state dependent states of consciousness, but to include all of them from despair all the way to joy. There's dozens and dozens of layers in between those two, but this at two ends of the rainbow unify the rainbow. If you look below the horizon, they're just a half circle. 
it's a circle. If you complete it, it becomes a circle. Mm. And so the same way we love this, I love that um, metaphor of two people standing back to back on the equator, you know, 25,000 mm -hmm. miles away from the front of each other, but their backs touching without any um, uh, seam. So in that sense, uh, forget about happiness, you out there, um, if you're ready and you're willing and uh, you have some juice in you to work through some dead ends that you are cognizant of hitting already, maybe uh, inquire a little further about uh, how realness is the real, is the only real goal of a healthy consciousness, not happiness. So. Amen. Yeah, and enlightenment uh, doesn't get you to happy either because oh. it's not a state common, <laughs> yes. commonly misconceived. It's not heaven. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's it's the freedom from all states, if anything. I, I remember hearing one uh, teacher saying, the only true nirvana is the transcendence of nirvana. Uh, and, uh, and <laughs> the of course death that, of the seeker. Yes, exactly. And mm -hmm. so uh, th there he was saying in between the lines, it's not a state. It's a... It's, it's a an abiding stage that never solidifies, uh, another way mm -hmm. to say that. So we've been talking more about personhood in this uh, particular podcast, except through, of course, uh, uh, seeing, uh, always offering how the meta uh, uh, of how we grow and change is, is soulful based. But uh, it was good. I'm glad you brought in some uh, pre-dual, non-dual stuff there. Uh, that it's not a state either. Uh, it's an ongoing stage that doesn't ever end. Uh, oh, it doesn't ever uh, um, have have edges around it. So, yeah, like a tide that keeps coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, um, related to that, I want to just put out there. Um, it's a little bit of a risk because this is going to be, you know, uh, published ad infinitum potentially. But uh, I'm playing around with a new way of giving people an experience of their own souls. Uh, and, um, so if anybody wants to try that, reach out to me, it may not cost you anything at all, uh, depending on when you reach out to me, if you do in the next month or so, probably won't cost you anything at all. Um, but, uh, sometime in the future, if I'm really busy, it might, uh, I might ask for some donation, but I'm very curious about how this works and I'm learning a lot from it. And, um, I, I see. I, I want to talk about something we're not ready to talk about yet, but I, I think I think we talked about this last time about the, how many many years yeah. it takes. But I mm -hmm. I have a strong sense that we're um, already uh, waist deep in a breakthrough that is going to radically mm -hmm. reduce the amount of time that um, not just emotive body ensoulment takes, but I think it's going to radically reduce the amount of time that um, ensoulments in all three hoods will take. I, I have a vision and I, I think it's I think it's happening. Too soon to be sure, but it's very, very promising. And and it is so I, I know exactly what Joseph's speaking to here. Uh, and and my only admonition about it is uh, uh, it's in the experimental stage and I, I certainly couldn't put a time frame to that the thing that you're oh, offering no. there so i just don't want people to get oh well this will work faster now it's a shortcut it, it's not <laughs> it's not not it really can, no it, it may it i agree with joseph that it will the the tides of divinity are also mm -hmm. an active 
um, force that will push this into reality, not just um, uh, some dharma, dharmic feature, but Joseph's onto something here. And so uh, get a taste of it. It's uh, really interesting stuff. So I can I can mm -hmm. tell you um, it's worth a worth a, a moment or three. Yeah, I want to say a lot more, but I'm I don't have any other words around it at the moment. So we'll leave it there. And uh, what's our realization next time? It is next time that you're six. responsible for the contents of your unconscious and being held accountable for those contents by life itself. Well, that's a juicy one. Yeah, not mm -hmm. not just karmically. Uh, but yeah. this lifetime, this lifetime, mm -hmm. that'll be a juicy one. Yeah. And then, uh, then we've just got two more after that. And then we'll still have to start actually thinking about what to do. It's been so lovely to follow this list and not have oh, to isn't it? think uh, about I, it. Man. Yeah. You bet. Mm -hmm. But we'll, I'm sure we'll come up with something or something will come up with us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> thank right. you, Stace. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Until next time. Um, Seek realness instead of happiness and get intimate with that which some part of you doesn't want to get intimate with and see what happens. Amen. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.